Hello and welcome to the For Real podcast. The show that discusses music, film, and most importantly, furries. I'm your host Matthew, also known as Hypebeast Dan, and on today's episode, I'm brought with an artist and a personal fursuit maker, Kid the Goat. Hello, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hello, it's wonderful to be here. I'm so excited. <laughs> How have you been today? Have you been up to much today? Uh, I've been good. Nothing much. Just went to the doctors. Mm-hmm. So really nothing going on for me. I don't know. I mean, I haven't been up to too much today, but I was um, I was picking up a vinyl today because I had to pay customs on it. It was my 100 Gex vinyl, one of my, one of my favorite um, albums ever. I've um, recently just put a topster up of my Twitter of like all my favorite albums. Like, a Thousand Gex is like an incredible uh, record, I think. But I think it's either like love it or hate it thing because it's definitely definitely quite an acquired taste. Anyway, so I got on the bus to go and pick it up from town, and I realized oh, I didn't have the slip to pick it up. Like I. Uh, because I need the slip or whatever to confirm that it's actually mine. I'm not just like nicking somebody else's 100 gex final. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to go all the way back and I've paid for the bus. But luckily the woman at the counter just let me take it anyway, which she probably shouldn't have done. But I mean, it's okay because it means I don't have to waste enough money to get another bus back. So yeah, that was probably the most exciting thing that's happened to me today. Because apart from that, I've just kind of been relaxing. So yeah, man, she sounds like such a sweetheart. Yeah, exactly. You know, save my life. Didn't have to pay for another bus, you know, all that jazz. But it's fine, oh, yeah. you know? I mean, it's, it's a Christmas miracle that came. I mean, it is. It's a Christmas miracle. I ordered it in July, and it's arrived, like, four, five months later. And I'm like... Oh, jeez. Yeah, I know. Just before Christmas as well. It's a nice little personal Christmas present from Honey Gex. And I'm really glad they uh, repressed that vinyl because they it originally was sold out. And then they were like, oh, okay, we'll uh, repress some more copies. So I'm really happy about that. But, uh, yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've just gotten back into collecting vinyls i am currently looking for the album that we're gonna continue to discuss in this Mm -hmm. episode for ocean eyes owl city Mm -hmm. and boy those vinyls are pretty much impossible to find they go for like minimum of 60 bucks if they're just decent quality Mm -hmm. so i'm i'm currently on the hunt for one of those that's good yeah something yeah it's weird because owl city doesn't really strike me as a band that would like have difficult vinyls to find but that's really interesting though yeah it's because he hasn't been making music in a very long time mm-hmm. do they only do like do you know if they only got like one pressing and stuff i mean especially for kind of ocean eyes with the um obviously with fireflies on which is like the kind of flagship song yeah for sure um i'm not sure i just know that they are definitely not currently creating any new yeah. presses of the vinyls they have some for other albums but they haven't been making any merch or anything in a long time because they've kind of been in hiatus and mm-hmm. stopped making music for now yeah well i mean we'll get onto the album later on in the episode but let's establish you as a creator as a fairy creator what kind of stuff do you make and how do you kind of what links you within the fur- 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 furry community <laughs> <laughs> oh it's all good so i am a graphic design student who does furry commissions and digital art on the side. I like to play around with pretty much any medium when it comes to painting or drawing. Mm -hmm. However, my main medium is doing digital art and I've been doing it for commissions for a few years. Um, I've kind of been off and on with the fandom, whereas I kind of really dove in headfirst, made my first persona when I was about eighth grade, so end of middle school, Mm -hmm. and kind of fizzled out during high school until the end of senior year. Whereas I was kind of introduced back into the fandom, I made my own art, and that kind of wavered throughout the summer until my first semester of college is when I really dove headfirst back into the fandom, uh, at, which was just about last year, and I decided to make my own suit, yeah. which is Kid, which is my very first fursuit, very first fursuit I've ever made, and I made him around her, I use any pronouns with that mm-hmm. one. I made them in February of this year, and the rest is, you know, 2020. (laughs) It's where I am now. That's super interesting, though, because me and you have similar kind of connections and uh, gradual, you know, integration with the furry community and, like, the fandom, because I was exactly the same way. I played around with being a furry before I went to university, which is, like, the equivalent of doing a first year at college. And then when I went to university... I was like, I'm going to try this out because, you know, I've moved to a new city. I'm like meeting all these new people, 
on my course and people that I live with. And I'm like, this can be something that kind of defines me and it is something that I really enjoy, you know, kind of watching from the sidelines. So what if I was a part of that? And that is definitely something that made me want to be a fairy more as well. So it's really interesting. Yeah. And especially with the college that I go to, George Mason University, mm-hmm. it is, we even people who are not in the furry fandom, they always joke about, oh, George Mason, that's the furry school. Like <laughs> I'm not even joking on our bar stool gmbu instagram account they uh the current trending meme is the guy at the corner of the party and they posted a meme where it was uh nobody here knows i'm a furry and i'm like yeah we're kind of the school who's known for having well more closeted furries but if the mm-hmm. gmu furry group chat we have around 80 or so members and oh. it is kind of crazy how it's just a thing here I haven't met any furries from my university. Uh, if you go to York Union, you're a furry. Uh, you know, hit me up, by the way. Uh, but I do. I am in a Telegram chat for like the area. But I joined that group chat uh, when COVID started, so I haven't been to any meets at all. And I've always been busy when they've done like little online ones. So I just kind of watch from the sidelines in that chat. But and I'm not very good at talking on Telegram anyway. Like, but um. If you don't mind me kind of going into this a little bit more, did you, because it, you, obviously we're discussing closeted furries, were you a closet furry for a while or did you just like, as soon as you became a part of the kind of fandom and kind of integrated your life in the community, did you did you just go with it and just tell anybody and just be open about it or was it more gradual? Yes, yeah, so that's kind of more of a journey. Like for me, it's not really a thing I bring up when I first meet people. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, I'm an artist on commission. And it's kind of funny because with my old hall, um, I lived in the LGBT plus uh, living learning community mm-hmm. at George Mason. And it's kind of funny because literally we had a guy in our hall, shout out to him, good friend of mine, who just wore his fursuit in the hallway. <laughs> I felt p- so That's bad dope. for this poor kid named Alec. He is terrified of mascot costumes so he just walked in the hall saw this guy ed in his fursuit screamed and just ran back into his (laughs) dorm we even have pictures on our wall of my old ra wearing the fursuit so it was just kind of a thing in our hall and this eventually led me to be a bit more open about my interests and artwork in the fandom which led to me getting the nickname the furry hustler because (laughs) Nobody in our hall really knew what commissions are, so mm-hmm. they were just like, whoa, you have someone paying you $30 for a drawing? Dude, you are hustling them. And I'm like, that's not a lot. Like, <laughs> do you not know what art is? Because, like, we didn't really have many art majors in that hall. See, it seemed like you had, a clo- uh, with your, like, living area, you had a quite close-knit people who were, would be accepting of a hobby or interest that isn't exactly a kind of normal standard hobby for most people which seems really nice and it's it's good that you had another another fairy that you live with as well so that's kind of cool oh yeah it was certainly a chaotic hall with my first and second semester in college but the <laughs> mm-hmm. people i've met there so accepting absolutely wonderful people and it was such a wonderful time with that being my first introduction to college so mm-hmm. it was just a great time i miss those guys see i was the exact opposite so well mm, half and half because I didn't care about if anybody had a negative opinion on me, and I've always been like that. But the way I started telling people I was a furry was like, I would go, <laughs> this is so dumb. I would go on, obviously, with the uni in the UK, it's very big on like, because obviously the standard age you start university is like 18, and that's the legal drinking age in the UK. So uh, we have this like week called Freshers Week, and it's like basically everybody just goes fucking harm and just goes to clubs and like gets pissed and shit. So for that entire week, obviously, I was just going out all the time with, like, my flatmates and people on my course. And I just had this thing of, like, telling people I was a furry when I was, like, really mortal, like, when I was really drunk. And it was just something that I did. And I remember I got really drunk and I went, look, um, look at this dog. That's me, by the way. And they were like, oh, are you a furry? And I was like, yeah. And I thought they would be like, ooh, what the fuck? But, like, the, the I, every single person I told that from like kind of that way of telling them when I was drunk we're all just like yeah that's so cool and I mean to be fair it's probably because they're drunk as well but (laughs) aside from that yeah it was it was a questionable way of telling people it's kind of funny to see how much I've kind of changed I guess in terms of how more confident I am with it because now 
like for example somebody was messaging me about a possible internship or like possible work experience thing I could do like a commission editing commission or whatever or someone on my course that I don't really speak to that much then they know I do editing and um they were like oh I thought I'd just send you this just in case uh, you want to do it and I was like, oh, thank you, but I'm kind of um, uh, busy with like stuff, my personal stuff. I'm making a podcast at the moment. And they're like, oh, cool, what's it about? And usually I would just be like, oh, you know, it's just about music and film. But I was like, oh, no, I just invite furry people on because I'm a furry. And they were like, oh, it's dope. It's, that's really cool. Because I think this is what I was taught. Uh, sorry, I'm rambling, by the way, guys. Um, I uh, have had just, if you think I'm more hyperactive than usual, I've had uh, four coffees, apparently. Well, I had like a liter of uh I had a liter of this fucking cafe latte thing and I drank it all and then I looked at the back and it was like, this is four servings of coffee and I was like, oh shit. So that's why Ooh, I'm no. like more talkative than usual. But anyway, I've, I've, you know what? I've completely fucking forgot what I was going to say. Oh well. <laughs> that's all good. Yeah, the coffee does that too. I am very lucky I'm not a coffee drinker. Have you ever seen The Iron Giant? Mm-hmm. I've seen bits and pieces of that movie, but it, I've yet mm-hmm. to see it. Like, I really want it's to. So the animation's good. phenomenal. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how I haven't seen I it in a while, but yet. there's a scene where Hogarth, the kid, is, like, given coffee, and he just goes in a full-on, like, ramble and just talks and talks and talks and talks. But uh, that's basically me right now. But no, I, that, I remember what I was going to say. I think I was talking about this in a previous episode, where I think once you hit, like, a certain age, like, past 18, maybe, like, 19, 20, people are either, like, too busy, like, with a job or a degree to kind of, like, negatively care about somebody else's like hobbies that much or like something that like you know doesn't affect my life at all or they're like nice enough to like be accepting of something that isn't like the set norm of like society or whatever you want to kind of call it so I think I used to be worried about telling people uh, especially people like my age of how they would react but first of all I don't care about if you have a negative opinion on it and second of all most people that I'm that on my course and stuff are like really nice people and I kind of need to realize that like honestly I don't know if you're you'll feel the same with your course or your degree or whatever but it's how I feel about mine oh yeah for sure like the art majors were always known for being the really weird kids who mm-hmm. can't do math and I mean hey it's stereotype for a reason <laughs> I can't do math definitely a weird kid considering my hobbies but yeah they're just so accepting and I've definitely noticed that especially being like newly into college that in high school I was like terrified to tell anybody because I learned quickly from middle school and whew uh, my senior year yearbook quote was almost if you knew me in middle school (laughs) I'm sorry because of how just darn cringy I was because I dove into every fandom every phase I Mm. was absolutely like that kid I was the horse girl along with the fandom girl in my school and now that I'm in college, I've, I'm now like, wow, just the environment mm-hmm. with like college between high school is absolutely insanely different because high school, everyone will judge you for the slightest thing. But in college, it's like, oh, yeah, you're furry. All right, that's cool. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I was exactly the same. So in middle school, I had this like weird ass guinea pig phase. Do not ask me. It was fucking weird. And every time it's so weird, I had like a... Uh, this is before COVID, by the way, just for context, just in case everyone's like, why are you doing this during COVID? No, this is way before COVID. My friend had a pub crawl for his birthday and he invited like loads of people and people from like middle school that I'd never seen for like seven, eight years, like pulling up. And I'm like, oh shit. And they just like, everyone was really nice, luckily. But some of them were like, oh, do you still love guinea pigs? And I was like, oh my fucking God. Like, no, I don't. Oh my God. So I was exactly the same. And... What I realized, I don't know if um, you feel like this as well, but I think in obviously the people that have like unique attributes or like are quote unquote cringy in middle school, you know, it's shit in high school and middle school when you like stuff, when you're passionate about something, people always make fun of you for that stuff. But I think once you, especially for me, um, doing a film degree, I'm now surrounded by those passionate people and that's what I love. That's what I really, really like. Yeah, exactly. Like in college, you finally get to pursue what you really want Mm -hmm. to do rather than in high school, you're just stuck in the same cookie cutter thing as everyone else. And you're just always surrounded with people who share your same interests and want you to be good at those interests. So it's just a wonderful environment of people being like, yo, your art's awesome. Like, look at my art. And it's just constantly Mm -hmm. feeding off of each other, being just constant positive Mm -hmm. energy, pushing for us to be our best selves. And it's a it's a lovely environment to be in and even with like coronavirus and stuff like uh, we have a group chat and we're all still really supportive of each other and stuff 
and everybody like helps each other with their assignments so like from that standpoint as well it's really nice so it's my message to anybody go to university i mean if you, if you don't want to you don't have to but a personal thing even if you you know worried about how difficult a degree is or whatever people are like oh well the degree it's about all the degree but it is it really is about working hard at your degree or your college like major or whatever but it's also about the experience i would say and it's about the experience of like moving to a new city if you move or like meeting new people and it is i i feel like it's really really helped me come out my shell and be more confident and that again links to me being a furry and like not giving a shit if somebody thinks you know badly of me for being a furry because i mean it's like it's 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 2020 it's current year like who gives a shit you know what i mean like i don't know but yeah um mm-hmm. we're all stuck at the struggle together so why who even has the time exactly. to judge this people is, yeah, that's exactly yeah um let's have a let's uh, let's uh move on a bit so let's have a talk about your personal experience with making a fursuit because i was talking to air uh, vix in episode two about it a little bit but I kind of want to go more in depth because we had so much to talk about in episode two, like with our trading cards and all that. I didn't have enough time to kind of go in depth with the fursuit making. But you've personally made a fursuit yourself. How hard is it? What did you do to prepare? And do you think you'll ever do, because you've made your personal one, do you think you'll ever do kind of commissions for suits or do you think it's like way too hard? Oh, first off, making my fursuit, that has given me, I mean, I've already respected fursuit makers mm-hmm. so much because oh my gosh, I can't, the amount of work they put in, but making my own head has given me the greatest, utmost respect for makers because, oh my goodness, that was such a long struggle. And with it being my first head, I was like, I did hours and hours of research, just watching different videos Mm -hmm. and tutorials and such. And I'm lucky that I had the background where I already knew how to like sew and everything. And also being an art major definitely helped it. But even still, it was like the whole budgeting, finding where to get mm-hmm. my supplies, having to work with a really crappy razor because <laughs> I couldn't afford a better one. That thing, oh, don't get me started on that <laughs> razor. It was so bad. I, it can't even shave like a regular oh, person's no. beard. That thing was awful. But um, it's just, and also having to balance it literally while I was in college working, I literally created it at the end of my first winter break to all the way to February. And it was just crazy because I would go from class to class just carrying this giant duffel bag of all my fursuit supplies. And people would always be like, oh, what's in the bag? And I'm like, uh, just art major <laughs> stuff. And I would just go back and forth from my classes to the art hall, working really late into the night and walking back freezing cold. And it was just such a long process. It was really frustrating because I was like, I had no idea how mm-hmm. to do this. And I, we discussed this earlier, not in this episode, but before. Whereas um, my character kid had two sets of horns yeah, where one was yeah. ram horns. And I bought a set of ram horns from DVC Creations. And it was around $75. Great quality. Highly recommend them. But I was going to make them magnetic so I could take them mm-hmm. on and off to make easier storage. And while I was making the head, like as soon as I finished, I was like, I don't want to have these <laughs> set of horns anymore. So I was like, crap. I spent $75 or so on these uh, just yeah. to not even use just, them. Just not use them, yeah. Yeah, so kids just got like a ton of magnets <laughs> in their head for just no reason now. Maybe I could do a little hat. Mm-hmm. How long overall did it take to make the suit? Oh, well, the partial Ooh. at least. Um... Oh, that's a good question. I did not calculate my hours, but I would say like certain times, like if it was a test week, I would, of course, take a few days off. Mm-hmm. But I'd say it would take around a month. A month. And okay. I'd say my funniest thing for working on it was in the art building. We It, it was raining. We had a fire go off. Oh, so no. everyone had to leave the building. And I was like, screw it. I'm taking my head because <laughs> I need it. If this thing burns down, I'm going to be so upset. It's such a, so such a waste of it. time if it burns down could take it you know yeah exactly that persona and is you that's you you know yeah exactly <laughs> and it kind of did help because it was freezing cold outside mm-hmm. and i was like i'm just gonna put this on my head because oh it's God. cold and so everyone walking by was just like oh god there's just a furry just standing next <laughs> to the smoking building and i'm like it wasn't me that reminds me this is complete well it's not completely off topic but it reminds me of i saw this tiktok of this furry who was doing like zoom you know like um online lectures Mm-hmm. And he was doing them in suit, and that is so fucking cool to me. Like, 
the confidence in terms of like having high school students or college students like dressing up in your suit to like do classes is so funny to me like that's so funny yeah i mean hey gotta do anything to make these zoom classes interesting exactly yeah all the same a little boring but no a month is i think that's a good turnaround especially for your first suit as well i think that's fantastic i mean i think it's mostly due to how many hours i put into the darn thing yeah yeah. See, I would want to try and make my own suit, but I just know I would get really frustrated and I would like quit after like 20 minutes of like even trying. Um, oh, yeah. my, my girlfriend does a little bit of arts and crafts and she, um, thing I was talking on a different episode. She was like, oh, how about, you You know, you try and make one instead of like paying a commissioner a lot of money for it. And I was like, no, like it just, it's not <laughs> for me. It's, it would just not go well. I would like carve the foam badly and stuff. You got to do the foam and then you got to put the duct tape on it and then you got to get the fur. Just all a big hassle. So I do really, really respect fursuit makers because people don't understand how much time and effort is put into making suits. It's mad. It's insane. Oh my gosh, yes. So kind of moving on to your art and stuff. Have you had, how long have have you been doing commissions for long or is this just something that you've just been starting after being in the fandom for how long have you been in the fandom for then it's like a year or so now since you started at college or yeah. um so i would say like before college it was around maybe two three years two, and three very years. minimal mm-hmm. um and then in college like i've definitely been like into the fandom More officially active, yeah. into the fandom for about a year now mm-hmm. okay like i had my uh my twitter anniversary the other day and Hi. i was like oh that's cool so that was fun. Um, as with commissions, I was reorganizing all my art files the other day, and I found that my first commission from DeviantArt, it was a My Little Pony commission, Aww. and that was in 2016. So mm-hmm. I've officially had them open since 2016, but the past year and being in the fandom, that has been like my best year with commissions because that's when I've actually made enough to be able to like sustain oh, myself in college. Like mm-hmm. it's not to the point where it's like a full-time job it's just enough that i can afford like to go out and get some food and maybe treat myself with yeah. like i don't know a new pokemon plush or something like <laughs> that's that that's nice i mean that that's kind of how i feel with my editing commissions i haven't got many because i don't really say i'm open that often because i've got uni stuff and i've got this podcast now and it, i guess you can also link it to people saying oh you could like get sponsors on your podcast i'm like yeah maybe if it gets a little bit bigger but at the moment, I'm focusing on my degree, and I only do commissions when I feel like, oh, if I want to treat myself, I can like do a video edit for somebody, and it's nice, I guess. Yeah, it's it's um it's definitely something that uh, I enjoy doing because it's ugh, specifically video editing is something I want to do is like a career, so it's really nice um experience and kind of like practice for my degree as well, since it all links and all intertwines as well. Yeah, exactly, and since we do have like our commissions and such that relate to our degrees, like for me, it's been the whole struggle of balancing my commissions with working on my college degree. Mm -hmm. And it's super interesting because it's hard to balance creating personal content and commissions during college, especially with finals and classes. And I actually kind of think COVID, not the disease, just the amount of time that we've been isolated it has helped me find the balance and learn this balance to figure out how to do my commissions and mm-hmm. my college work and got my grades back and all A's one B. So Let's I go. think it's a good balance. Yeah. yeah I'm really proud fantastic. of that. And um, it, it's very different because you think, Oh yeah, your furry art, like that's going to help you with your major. I'm like, not really. Cause like, yes, it's honing my art skills, but none of it really can be used or relating with any of my classes. Mm-hmm. So funny enough, making furry art is actually like my own break from art. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that as well. One of my assignments or one of my like modules in my degree is to like do audio editing with Audacity. And I'm like sat there editing a podcast episode and I'm like, this is literally what I need to do for an assignment, but I'm not doing the assignment. I'm doing my personal thing instead. And it's just really funny. I wish there was a way that I could like, integrate the podcast into like being a submission for my work but it obviously doesn't work like that but you know I'm doing the same thing really yeah I mean you're doing the exact same work that you would be mm-hmm. doing on your assignment yeah. it's just a personal project have you ever submitted fairy art for 
like a uni assignment or a high school assignment or do you keep it completely um, separate? Somewhat. I did have this project last semester with one of my English classes and I also have a extra credit thing that was very interesting with him. Whereas um, it was, we were listening to this podcast named Limetown and mm -hmm. we also, th that class was so interesting. We had a project in the beginning of the semester where we had to research on SCPs. So I combined SCP-1471, uh, I believe, which is like the skull dog with the Limetown podcast. So I kind of used somewhat furry art because the origin of that SCP is it was a fursuit maker's art. And that photograph was deemed cursed, so oh, it was turned into so cool. an SCP. So the history of that is very interesting, and it is furry in its origin. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, that would be a very easy project for me, making art. <laughs> and for that class, we had, we had a, this also relates to how I came out as a furry to my parents. We had a extra credit assignment where we would go have to go to a, what he deemed, nerd convention. Oh, and yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was like, hey, mom and dad, um, it's totally for school, extra credit project, but there's like a convention coming up. So I was thinking of going to that because it's like 100 points extra credit. And they're like, oh, so what kind of convention is it? And I was like, <laughs> furthermore. And they're like, what? And I was like, furthermore. And they're like, is that like one of those uh, edible things? I was like, yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, so what do you wear to one of those things? Like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh no. well, time to introduce my parents to kid. <laughs> and it was so funny because um, introducing my parents, they were like, my mom was like, oh, God. But then later went to, wait, so you made this? That's kind of impressive. And I was like, oh, yay, thank you. And I kind of had to ask them because at the time they were like, oh, it's all the way in Crystal City, which is like an hour away. It's mm -hmm. very easy to me but they're like oh no you're not gonna drive in this city yet like you're not ready i'm like i've been driving for two years come on mm -hmm. but um it was very interesting especially when they dropped me off there and it was a shame because with them dropping me off i could only go to three hours to my very first convention and we pulled up and there was this luxury sports vehicle i, I don't know my cars it was this luxury mm -hmm. sports car yeah. and it had rainbow dash decals all oh, over it and my parents oh my were like Yep, we're here. <laughs> and it was so funny. Like, they went from, oh, this is terrible, but the charity for that con was for ALS because mm -hmm. of the Ghost of Honor was Dog Bomb. Oh, and yeah, okay. my parents were like, oh, ALS, like the Ice Bucket Challenge? I was like, yeah. And they're like, show us the website. Like, because they were like, are you sure ALS is not like secret for like animals loving sex? And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. No. It's for ALS. Oh, oh my God. God. No. And, oh, they evolved from that to my dad being like, I want to hug a very muscular wolf man. <laughs> and I was like, thanks, Dad. That's so funny. I feel exactly the same. So I've been putting off telling my parents I'm a furry for like ages now. And I know it's eventually going to have to happen. But uh, they know about my personal project, this podcast, but they don't know what it's about because they would be like, oh, Matthew, how are you? how are you doing with balancing uni stuff and are you taking some time off? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm working on my personal project a little bit. And they're like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm making a podcast. And I was like, I've got a meeting here and here, but then i got to do this now. Because I sometimes use my mum and my dad to like vent. And I'll be like, well, it won't be like bad venting or anything, but I'll be like, I'm, I'm like, in terms of what I'm doing today, I'll be like, right, this is how I'm organizing my day. And they'll be like, oh, that sounds great. You know, I like to call my parents a lot. It's just, I don't know. It's nice to keep in touch with them. But it's gonna I think I'm gonna have to tell them when I go home for Christmas because my god it's like I've told you I'm having this podcast and I was like I'll explain it when I get home so now I've kind of set a thing of telling them when I get back and I'm happy I've done that because I've been putting it off for so long and I don't even think they're gonna think it's a bad thing they won't even I don't even know think they'll know what the fuck it is so I don't think they'll really care that much so they'll probably think it's a bit odd because it is like I'm sorry furries who are listening and I'm sorry right you know uh, but as a furry, like, this this uh, hobby is not, like, a societal norm. It's it's cool. It's unique. It's different. But it's definitely not something you would, like, regardless of the preconceptions of what you think furries are, it isn't something that if you if you look at somebody walking around in an animal suit, you're not going to go, oh, yo, that's, like, completely normal, are you? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's I mean, it's not normal in the slightest. It's literally... 
like, I mean, not dismissing younger furs, but it's literally adults dressing up in thousands of dollars of fur yeah, to exactly. look like a cartoon animal, giving each other hugs and squeaking and like paying their entire paychecks to get artwork of their little animal. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it's not normal. But does that mean it's okay? Yes. Yeah. These people are happy. We're enjoying what we do. But it's not a normal thing. And of course, it's going to get some odd looks. Yeah, exactly. But it's a positive thing that makes mm. people happy. So it's kind of fine. Yeah. It just Go- takes a little mm-hmm. bit to get used to it. Yeah, definitely. Going back to your experience at the convention, how was that? Because that was your first ever fairy convention in the last, because it was one of the last ones before, you know, COVID restrictions hit. So how was it experiencing that? It was so interesting because, one, I went completely by myself. So I didn't have a handler. I didn't have any friends with me. I was just completely by myself. And I've been to, like, comic conventions and everything previously. And I've always found them to be, like, super overwhelming and overstimulating. But going to the furry convention, furthermore, it was very relaxing and just fun. Mm -hmm. Like, I had a blast, even though I was absolutely by myself and wasn't with anybody for the majority of it. And yes, I only got to go for like three hours, but it was so much fun. I even got to meet people like Spockter and I even got in part of his video and I was like, yo, that was was so freaking cool. And it was so much fun. And I got to see all these amazing artists that I look up to. And I even got to see uh, like Heck Gek, uh, with a the worm on the string oh, plush it yeah. I, I, yeah I got one of those I love it he's in the corner That's I so love cool. him it was just wonderful and even with like COVID was a thing around this point and it was just starting so nobody mm. really knew how big it was going to be like they had hand sanitizer and everything everywhere because everyone was like oh be safe like we got this sickness going around and nobody really like expected it to be as big as, as big it was as, yeah. And as like COVID hit and everything, like immediately after the mm-hmm. con, it was just everyone was like, that was the last yeah. thing I got to be with my community. And it was kind of surreal because I look back, I'm like, man, it feels like that was years ago, but it's it was, not. Yeah. I, I definitely feel the same way in terms of watching. I, this, this does link. Uh, watching films and stuff, I'll see like scenes of people at parties and i'm like what are you doing you can't do that but covid going on and i'm like oh shit wait like this is like pre visible pre-covid and also it's not real so yeah exactly like every like, time like, i see tv yeah. i'm like where's their masks but <laughs> it's pre-covid it's it's such a strange times that we live in mm-hmm. uh so did you meet up with anybody that you kind of uh talk to online and stuff in like on your twitter and stuff in terms of fairy because i i'm sure uh, outside of the podcast, we were talking about how you have a set goat Telegram group chat. Yes, the goat community and the like. Not many people in the furry fandom, especially people who don't have goat personas. Like goat personas are very uncommon. Mm-hmm. So much so that literally almost every goat knows each other, and we literally have this chat like on Discord. It's called Goat Twitter, but it's Discord, and. Like, we just all know each other. It's kind of like the thing where you see a goat furry, you follow them, they follow you back. Like, we all just know yeah, each other. And it's such mutual. an interesting community, whereas we all know each other. So I can't I can't vibe with that because I'm a dog. Everybody's a dog, man. Everyone's a dog. Dogs so, are cute. Dogs are there's cute. there's so many of you. <laughs> I know. And it's all, like, golden retriever energy type shit. But, you know, I vibe with it. You know, it's cool, I guess. Uh, yeah. Trying to think of other, because I was meant to go to my first convention, and I didn't get to go, and it fucking sucked. Because uh, it was in May, so in COVID was like massive thing in March, and people were like, "Oh, it'll blow over by then," but no, it just got worse, it got worse no, and worse. So, and it isn't like the US, where obviously conventions are dotted around all over the place in the US, and it's hard to travel. But in the UK, we only really have maybe like two or three big conventions. You got like. I think it's is it called ScotiaCon. There's one in Scotland, and then there's one in there's Confuzzle, which is one I was going to go to, which is like the bigger furry convention that's in Birmingham, and I think there's some like camping ones as well. But Confuzzle is like only the one, the only one like big, you know, kind of convention center one. So mm-hmm. it was it kind of sucked when it was cancelled, and I'm hoping that it is um you know a, an in person thing in May, but I'm not hopeful. I'm not going to be. 
I don't want to be a pessimist, but like I'm just trying to be real. I don't think COVID's gonna be. It's gonna, I think it's gonna get better from now. Mark my touch wood, but like not fixed and not safe enough to have that big of like of gatherings, if you know what I mean. But you know, hopefully I'm proven proven wrong, so I can go to furry conventions. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, and I might even have Especially a partial since by then. May is gonna be like my twentieth birthday, so I'm like, <gasps> yeah, I'm gonna be adult. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. pay taxes. Well, some countries have kind of, um, like, isolated it, and they're, like, mm-hmm. fine to go out now. And it's so weird to think all the differences. Like, yeah. um, COVID isn't that big of a thing in, like, New Zealand and Australia anymore, but compared to the like, UK and US, who are, like, still getting lots and lots of cases every day. Uh, I don't know. Um, oh, I don't think yeah. our government did very well with uh, coping with it. But at the same time, like, it is a really hard thing to deal with, so... But also, like, I also really don't like our Tory government, so I'm not going to get into that, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, for us, it is just getting worse. And I especially consider it due to be, like, they didn't handle it the best in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And then now that COVID's been around for a while, it's kind of the fear of it has died down. And people are like, yeah, it's fine. I'm just yeah, going to go thing. on. This- yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, we're still in a <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I definitely feel like since I do like my retail job as well, some people just don't take it seriously. Like I had somebody come in a few days ago that was like, "Oh, sorry, I forgot my mask," and I'm like, "What? How? Do you... It's been going on since March. Like, how have you forgot your mask?" But like, we can't be like get out of the shop. We just have to be like, "It's okay," but like, really, it's not okay. Yeah, cheek and tongue, yeah. tongue and cheek, tongue and cheek. Oh well. Anyway. We're on almost 40 minutes, so I think we should move on to the album choice of this week, which we were discussing at the start of the episode, which is Ocean Eyes by Owl City. So I'm going to start this off by saying, reading the uh, year this came out, 2009, that makes me feel old as fuck. Like, it really, really does. Like, it really does. Like, for me, it came out when I was in elementary school. Like, I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. And it was absolutely crazy because I'm, like, literally 11 years later, it's still, like, my number one album and my pretty much what I consider the soundtrack of my life because watching the music video for Owl City Fireflies, that was my very first YouTube video that I've ever Ooh, seen. That's really cool. Yeah. So kind of it was my introduction to the internet because mm-hmm. growing up my parents were a little bit of helicopter parents. I love them so much. <laughs> but like and they've definitely gotten a lot better. I was the first kid, so it was a trial and error run. But like I just I couldn't really do the internet or anything. And I was like, whoa, the internet exists. Mm-hmm. So kinda Owl City was like my introduction to everything on the mm-hmm. internet and i just love it i remember listening to fireflies on like my shitty mp3 player and i used to like play it in the <laughs> car all the time so it just it just kind of takes me back to that when i used to have that in like um now that's what i call music like 50 something and it was just honestly kind of going through the album what makes you obviously you're talking about how you've essentially grown up with this album a little bit and you've listened to it throughout your life but why has that been the case why do you think you've kind of connected so strongly with this well i say it was because of a few of my life experiences Mm -hmm. like the whole owl city ocean eyes album it's just wonderfully soft seaside vibes with the album it's very gentle and loving and listening to it brings me to my own happy place and growing up with someone as someone who has ADHD and anxiety that wasn't mm-hmm. diagnosed until very much later, yeah. like that was always my very calming thing. And mm-hmm. I would always relate to it because for a few years I would go to sailing school mm-hmm. and it always reminded me of sailing school and the oh, peacefulness really nice. that is in the water. And it's really funny because I actually have a fear of like deep water and being in open water, oh, but yeah. I love sailing. It's just, I'm good with sailing as long as I stay on the boat. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. I think that's really, it it is really lovely when you can connect like a personal thing to an album. And I think that's Mm -hmm. kind of what establishes my favorite albums as well. Like uh, one of my favorite records is um, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. And even though it's like a small memory, I learned about that album because like my dad used to just play it in the car all the time. And that's just something I, even though it's not like a sad thing or anything, like it's, it's just like nice. I just remember 
him having the CD in the car and just playing it all the time. And I used to be like, yeah, it's a vibe. And I love the... I'm not going to get off... Because obviously, we're not talking about pet sounds. I want to talk about pet sounds if I get to choose my own uh, episode thingy. But just as a short thing, they're very experimental for the time it was released. Brian Wilson, the guy who, like, the, the main front person of um, the Beach Boys, like, went through a lot of shit making it. And, but I, like, watched a biopic called Love and Mercy about it, and it was, like, incredible. But anyway, that's besides the point. Basically, I have a lot of respect for it. And I similar to you with Ocean Eyes, I have personal connections to it that i kind of relate to in my real life and i think that is something that enhances our uh, lovability or if that's that's even word it just enhances our love for for art if we have personal connections to it that we can link only us can link if you know what i mean yeah exactly and like i would say that it's basically how you know the whole nostalgia factor which makes everybody like these things and especially if it's you look back and you don't have the nostalgia you're like oh like this show is absolute crap. Like, how do you love it? But really, it's just more of our past experiences really shape like our own personal connection mm-hmm. to these songs and albums. Like, it was so funny when the whole Firefly song became a meme. Like, that was up in high yeah. school, and I was like, yes, everybody's listening to it now. <laughs> and it was just, it was such. I remember that meme like so well because I was just like, yeah, I've heard this song so many times. Like, I literally am like. Oh, I forgot what it was in my Spotify rewind, but it was like, you listen to this song like 200 plus times. And I'm like, only 200? Because <laughs> like, I just listen to it so much. And it's just, it's wonderful. It always brings me to ha- my happy mm-hmm. place. And it really reminds me of how much I've grown as a person. That's that. Yeah, that's lovely. Instead of me going through my favorite um, album choices, not album choices, going through my favorite kind of song choices, what's your favorite? out of the album would you say oh good question so of course uh fireflies because of just the introduction of the Mm -hmm. internet and how much it means to me but for me vanilla twilight was the next one and then hello seattle because it's just very caring and gentle like vanilla twilight is a very soft and gentle song Mm -hmm. and along with hello seattle like the personifications that he gives as being like a sleeping pill or a seahorse that's just swimming through the water yeah. it's just very gentle and loving and you just feel a sense of mm-hmm. love when you just listen to it i did really like vanilla twilight and i feel that hello seattle was obviously nice and calming but i think umbrella beach like just completely like changed the kind of yes. uh the mood well not the mood but like it was way more upbeat which i liked i like the kind of contrast of that as well yeah exactly it makes it a good album because you have the soft and relaxing music but you also have like songs like umbrella beach where it's just super upbeat and fun it's just great to listen to mm-hmm. sometimes i the, the i would say the gripe i had with it first of all it's not really music i would personally listen to but that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons of the podcast is for me to listen to new things and talk about stuff that isn't just mf doom kanye west rap that i obviously will be biased towards but in terms of ocean eyes i did think sometimes when i was going through because i listened to it like front to back like maybe like two times it did seem a little bit samey sometimes when it came to like uh, songs obviously we had the example of hello seattle and umbrella beach being very contrasting but like throughout the middle of the album i was listening to it like a second time uh and i didn't have like because usually when i listen to an album the first time uh, or like especially for the podcast i will um have all my focus towards it and i'll make sure i can see when the um next track starts and stuff but i think when it came to the second listen i was like oh i'm on to the next one because sometimes it did feel like um a little bit samey but it, it, it repetitive it, yeah but at the same time sometimes that's nice because that is the entire point of an album sometimes is to provide a piece of work that has the same theme and the same kind of feel to it throughout is so i i can't really fail it on that too much definitely yeah and especially since this was owl city's like first album really Mm -hmm. and of course it's definitely very samey especially during the middle it's kind of the thing with like softer gentler music you can only do so much i want to say you can only do so much because you can't really do like very sudden dun dun or changing it up very much because then it'll completely change up the vibe but it's definitely good to like have it on a record just playing in the background as you're just doing your own work Mm -hmm. it's very good ambience ambience music 
Oh, I, I can definitely see that, like 100%. I can imagine putting this on in like in the background whilst I'm doing work and it just being nice and, and relaxing because it hits that point of being relaxing but also not too distracting, which is sometimes a really good kind of feel for an album as well. Um, trying to think of anything. I love the... the. I don't know why this has stood out to me, but I love the names of all of the tracks. They just seem really like unique, like Meteor Shower and like the Saltwater Room. It's like it wants me to kind of... I want to listen to these to find out what 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 do these names mean and why are they so unique and different with each like record. It's not like a classic. It's hard to explain, but it's not like a classic kind of uh, romance kind of song name like "She Needs Me" or some shit. It's like it's like the tip of an iceberg, tidal wave, and it's like I want to know what this tidal wave is. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And the songs kind of just relate back to the album theme where it's like very oceany, very seaside mm-hmm. with like saltwater room, yeah. tidal wave, tip of the iceberg. But also like you got songs like The Bird and the Worm and you're just like, what? That doesn't fit with the theme. Like, what's up with that? <laughs> I got to say, if it's, I'm going to look at the discography now. And I'm, so if you are right, and it is um, apart from um, a few, you know, that had like Of June and Maybe I'm Dreaming. Ocean Eyes was one of their first, it maybe it might be their first studio album or something, or studio produced album, and to have a chart topper like Fireflies on one of your like beginning albums, it's like, that's a really good feat for them. So that's really cool to look at as well. Yeah, it's it's so interesting, and especially how it just kind of makes a resurgence <laughs> many, many years later as oh, just yeah, a meme. Is, yeah, definitely. Like kind long of, after yeah. they've stopped making music. It links to like... um Obviously, you have we've had like meme meme culture and all that stuff mm. of like songs or whatever or kind of people getting big because of like a kind of joke or a culture that's like spread over the internet. But you could also link this with um, you know how Fireflies got big again because of memes. It's like how TikTok songs get really big or quote unquote TikTok songs songs on TikTok that suddenly get big. Like um, Little Dark Age by MGMT was a song I listened to uh, previously. But then TikTok started, um, you know, using it in like edits and stuff or like TikTok videos. And now it's like a really, really kind of not overplayed song because it's, it's a really good song. But it's a it's gained way more popularity because of this culture shift that's happened because of TikTok. So it is really interesting to see the impact on like internet culture in terms of art as well. Because Fireflies was obviously a chart topper back in like 2009. But now it's having a resurgence because of people making jokes on the internet. Like, if you said that, like, 20 years ago, when the internet was first coming around, like, you would, like, you would just, that just wouldn't happen. You'd be like, that's a bunch of shit. Like, what are you on about? Yeah, exactly. It's just the great change in culture that even, like, from last year, (laughs) like, we're constantly evolving because of just the internet and meme culture. Whereas it's bringing old things back, like the whole Africa from Toto meme. Yeah. That was like a song that was just played exactly, all yeah. the time by our marching band. And it's just the memes that shape and change like internet trends mm-hmm. and musical trends. It's it's absolutely mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, to close off, like talking about the album, because uh, we've got a bit, we're a little bit pushed for time. Would you say, do you sometimes get a bit agitated that Fireflies was the only track to kind of get big on the album and you do you sometimes feel like people don't um, appreciate the album as a whole enough or don't give it like a chance? Or do you see it as a way of, since Fireflies got big, that introduced me to the album and that's the only reason I listened to Owl City today? Yeah, so with the whole song, like I would always tell people like, oh yeah, my favorite song is Fireflies from Owl City and everyone's like, oh... You like it because of that meme, and I'm like, <laughs> not to be one of those people who are like, oh, I liked it. Before I liked it before cool. it was big, but yeah. you did I'm like, though. No, oh, it's not important. Oh, I did, but um, and also it was always funny because like in certain classes, like when I did yearbook in high school, we would always make these like monthly playlists, and I would always mm-hmm. add it to the playlist, and everyone's like, oh, fireflies again, and I'm like, it's important to me. Just let me have this. <laughs> it's not because of the joke, guys. It's because like it does it. I have a personal connection with this song. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I wish that like, especially songs like Hello Seattle, Saltwater Room, and definitely Umbrella Beach, like people are just looking at it like, oh yeah, it's the guy who made Fireflies. But no, like Owl City has a ton of really amazing songs 
and even songs that you like wouldn't think of like from wreck it ralph when can yeah, i see you i was again? literally gonna say that as well i was literally gonna say that that's such a good song that's it that's is. not on oh, that's not on oceanizer that's on his um is that not on his like 2012 album yeah exactly it's 2011 just album. how crazy how this band like this one guy just makes mm. these songs like he even did a cover from waving through a window from dr van hansen mm. which is like a current day broadway musical and it's just so interesting how varied the songs are from album to album but yeah definitely if you like fireflies or you've even just heard of our city give this give this album a listen if you haven't already for the podcast it's definitely something that i was surprised that i uh, enjoyed more than i thought i would so um and on oh, that wonderful. though yeah and on and on that note we will move on to the film choice of this week which was Ferris Bueller's Day Off directed by John Hughes Now I had already seen this film before and I am going to start off by saying I don't know about you but I am a sucker for coming of age films and like teenage drama films like that is my fucking thing I don't know if you feel the same uh, or if you just generally just like Ferris Bueller's Day Off I'll let you, you know, take oh, yeah. the stage about it yeah coming of age movies absolutely wonderful mm-hmm. like talking about the classics like Breakfast, Breakfast Club, Club. <laughs> and even newer ones like I grew up on high school musical like I was in elementary school when that was a huge trend like yeah, coming of age things and especially listening and watching them when you're younger mm-hmm. and coming of age, you kind of base your experiences off of that. Yeah. Like, I don't remember, how, I think around sixth grade is when I first saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And let me say, it's a great movie and I absolutely loved it. But as no, Ferris Bueller is not a good example for a little sixth grader like me yeah, because definitely. I watched it with my best friend and she was like, I want to be cool like that. I want to skip school like him. And I'm like, Nikki. Nikki, no, we're we're in middle school. What can we do if we skip school? We can't drive. We can't go anywhere. We're just little babies. He's a a bit of a little shithead as well sometimes. But I think that's... Oh, yeah. He's a lovable shithead, though. That's the thing. That's what the movie wants to kind of encapsulate with its character. And going back to mentioning The Breakfast Club, obviously John Hughes also directed The Breakfast Club. So people uh, kind of say John Hughes is one of the staples of of coming-of-age films. And I know I've seen Breakfast Club as well, and it is a fantastic film. And definitely gives off like same kind of feel, same kind of vibe to um, like the dialogue and how the characters interact with each other. Similar things between Ferris Bueller's Day Off and uh, Breakfast Club, definitely. Yeah, and it's so wonderful because like it's kind of the same trends, but like different spins. Like yeah. with the Breakfast Club being a classic, it's about all these people in detention. And you can kind of see it with like newer ones, like from Disney. Like, have you seen the movie Lemonade Mouth? I haven't, no. Oh, yeah. It's a good And it's also got fantastic songs, but it's kind of just like The Breakfast Club, where it's like these kids get into detention. But instead of like, I mean, yes, they do do bonding, but they form like a band. And oh, it's kind of like a Disney classic. Oh, it's a, it's a and... Disney film, isn't it? I'm just looking yes. at it. Yes. on Disney Plus. I'm going to watch it as soon as I finish the podcast episode. Oh, Trust. the music is so good. Like, I remember during college, like, it was around, like, 2 a.m. And I went to, like, the common room in my building. It was just a bunch of people, like, a bunch of people that came from, like, a frat party, <laughs> like, drunk high or whatever. And they are just watching Lemonade Mouth at 2 a.m. in the lobby. Nice. And I just sat and joined them. We all just sang along to it. It was, it was great. But Ferris Bueller, especially like with the music, the music of Ferris Bueller is absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I mean, you've got like classic kind of classic songs from it as well. But you've also got kind Mm -hmm. of uh, compositions as well. Like, um, obviously, you've got that like um, that. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Like that's a classic Ferris. Yeah, that's a classic Ferris Bueller song. And I was talking to you about the theme that's used at the end, like the um the du- 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 when he's uh, trying to get uh, home. I believe it's I, yeah, I don't know what it's called, but it's called race, I race. think. Race, yeah. It's really, really good and I love it. It you know, uh it goes back to me definitely thinking that m- music good music makes a film. I think a good soundtrack Absolutely. really, really makes a film and Ferris Bueller does it really well as well. I don't know if you knew this, but there was a, I think I didn't, I only found out about it on like the internet, but it was an actual advertisement in America 
like the Joe Keery, the guy who plays Steve Harrington in Stranger Things, did like a Domino's advert or like a commercial where he recreated or Domino's recreated the Ferris Bueller scene with Domino's. It was a yeah, I remember that. Yeah. He was like running through all the yards and stuff. Mm, yeah. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that ad. That's like a perfect example of kind of like a cultural impact that somebody exactly. yeah somebody's made i mean ferris bueller came out in what uh 90 no, not 90 86 86 and i mean here we are making a advert referencing it like 26 years later and i think that's really, really yeah cool exactly like, it's not even that it's like 80, 90, 36 no 30, 30, uh yeah no, it was 34, 30, 36 34 years later i'm really bad with right. fucking years oh my god um, so oh, yeah. in the first episode, oh my god, I said that I, I cut it out, but I'm gonna, you know, a little secret, a little secret for the for the listeners. Uh, I said that mm. Back to the Future was made like 10, 15 years ago when it came out in like fucking eighty four or something. <laughs> so I'm so bad with the years. So yeah, I yeah. Uh, yeah. Going through more of the kind of storyline, I think it's really well paced. Um, I think that a lot of the characters are like lovable. Obviously, we're going back to Ferris Bueller. You think he's an asshole because he is an asshole, but you want him to succeed because, especially as like a teenager, if you're watching this as like a teenager, you don't want to see like the students win. You don't want to see him fail, despite him being a bit of a dick to his mates sometimes. Like his mate Cameron, who's like legitimately sick, and he's like, "Yeah, stop being a pussy. Like fucking come out and drive a car, drive your dad's car, you know." So yeah, like he was a terrible friend. <laughs> But at the same, oh my God, yeah, poor kid. At the same time, though, you can see it as a way of Ferris, like in his own little like dickish way, trying to kind of uh, try and like suggest to Cameron that he needs to take control of his own life rather than his parents, you know, controlling and being like overbearing towards him. Obviously, yeah. like disregarding the sickness thing, because um, that's a whole different story. But obviously, you've got that kind of o- overarching like theme of the car. And how Cameron, at the start of the film, is worried about his dad. Like, you know, um, dad find out that we drove the, the, that they drove the car and shit. And then by the end of the film, Cameron's like, fuck that. And he just starts, like, trashing the car. And obviously, it, like, drives off the cliff. And I think that yep, is... Out the window. Yeah, and I love that because I think that isn't because of Ferris. And that isn't Ferris's fault. That is Cameron. And it's a good thing for Cameron because he's coming to terms with taking a grasp of his own life and you know, standing up for himself when he feels like he's being neglected by his family over a fucking car. Like, do you know what I mean? It's it's very... Like, yeah. his dad loves the car more than him. Yeah, exactly. And that's a, that's a thing that's said throughout, which is interesting. I do think the villains as well, the villain characters were also very likable too, even though we're not supposed to like them. Like, we... It's obviously the comedic relief is the principal or whatever. And I think yes. that's done fantastically as well. And um, yeah, I'm trying to think of any other characters. I mean... I love the contraptions as well that um, Ferris had in order to kind of try and hide that he's actually like out. It's like a classic. That was like actual Monster. genius. Yeah, I and love kind it. of reminds me of like Home Alone. Home Alone, Alone yes, yeah, as I'm saying, yeah. I still need to watch Home Alone. It's like I've I haven't been watching any Christmas movies. I've just been watching movies for the podcast. <sighs> it's a great Christmas movie, and it's on the uh, best, I yeah. I highly recommend the second one. I watched it the other day, but it's so weird because it's got like. Donald Trump in it. And yeah, like, it oh. does. Holy shit. And he's like, yeah. it's like, down the hall and to the left. And it's like, what the fuck? It's so weird to me. Like, I don't want to, obviously, I don't want to shit on like Americans and stuff because I love you guys so much. And I know my guest is currently American, so I'm not going to do that. But it does really scare me when your previous, your president or your ex president now, woohoo, uh, was, uh, <laughs> we used to be an actor and then he went in a presidency in politics and law. Like, if that happened to us in the UK, it probably has to be fine. I'm probably just not aware of it. Um, That would just be so... I don't know. I just find it so weird. And it's like the same thing about Kanye West, like running for presidency, even though like it was not taken seriously at all. I'm a massive Kanye fan. Obviously, he's like one of my favorite artists ever, but it's just fucking stupid on his half. And uh, we'll not get into that. But basically, yeah, it's so weird to see somebody who is, had such power in your country being a fucking christmas movie like do you know what i mean it's just so weird yeah it's so odd and i guess it i mean hey it's fine nobody really hates americans more than americans do but literally it's odd because america we kind of have like a trend of just big uh not 
political uh like actors and stuff yeah. with like please don't roast me i think it's like john f kennedy used to be an actor and we had like arnold schwarzenegger which everyone knows and he became like oh my gosh i need to catch up on the rankings but i think he was like the senator or something for california oh, wow really yeah that's so i mean um linking back to home alone though john hughes like produced home alone and you can definitely see that kind of link definitely uh with with uh home alone and ferris bueller's day off i mean john hughes did a lot of like coming of age or um kind of films circulating around like a child's experience of growing up or fending for themselves which is like the entire thing of home alone i think he did a really good job of kind of representing that in film as well and i mean people base in, in get inspired to make coming of age films because of those 80s classics because they're not only coming yeah. of age classics they are 80s classic films like when i think of a classic 80s film i think of breakfast club i think of ferris bueller's day off so i think that's something uh, that, that can be taken away as well yeah exactly and they're just amazing movies that like our parents grew up on yeah, like exactly. my parents are always like oh you want to watch the breakfast club you want to watch the breakfast club and i'm like please not again <laughs> and like dead poet society that's also yes, an awesome yes. movie like kind of coming of age but like more of like private school mm -hmm. and it's got robin williams and mm. oh, it's a great movie and also to correct myself from or earlier arnold schwarzenegger was the governor, governor. of california oh, and it's so odd that like the guy who was in the terminator is the governor of california oh like, yeah. it's such an mm -hmm. odd country we are we're we're on like an hour and free so i'm gonna go quickly through some stuff i liked about the film more because i'm just gonna gush about it because i did really enjoy watching this um oh yeah so the shots in the shot composition the framing lovely especially during the scene where they're in the museum like on my phone right now i have that shot of you know that like classic shot of like them mimicking the art and they're like doing all like the crossing of the arms and stuff and that's just lovely framed and like look really nicely blocked like you got ferris and you got the girl and you got cameron i forgot the girl's name i'm really sorry and then uh you know it's all really well blocked and i just love that so much and i think it was fantastically um shot so congrats on that as well yeah and um with the movie like it is the cinematography is simply amazing yeah. and i remember like when i went to the art museum with a few of people from my art classes in high school like we try to recreate that mm -hmm. and the movie itself like it's so interesting because like you have ferris like directly talking to the audience yeah. breaking the fourth wall and kind of that movie was like what yeah, kind exactly. of kickstart kick the that, trend yeah. Yeah. of breaking the fourth wall mm -hmm. and it handled it so wonderfully yeah definitely and it's like it's like live commentary to what's going on and i'm that is yeah. that is it's such a big integral part of the film um i gotta say at the end of the film as well fantastic this the entire scene of it being so calculated and like loads of tracking shots and loads of moving shots like one shot of like continuity of him running and trying to get back home before his parents do it's just it keeps the tension going it keeps the kind of pacing going because we want to see if he makes it or not and i just i love that and it's really well done yeah exactly like it's like that and along with the music and just the amazing quotes like that's what yeah. makes it such a wonderful and classic movie i mean the only gripes i would probably have with it is that it's slightly cheesy but at the same time it's it's an 80s coming of age john hughes film so yeah. that is that is to be expected and sometimes the dialogue was a little bit stale um i found the the scene in the police station with his sister and that guy a little bit like i don't know just a little bit boring but i mean even so yeah. like that that is such a little part of the film compared to the entire journey that we witness of ferris you know going on an adventure and again linking back to what you were saying about your friends saying oh we should skip school it is every kid's dream just to like be able to do that and i do think a sense of relatability and imaginary stuff or like imagination in coming of age films is like integral to making a successful like adolescent film as well yeah exactly and it's kind of just showing like what every kid wants to do. Like they're like, want to skip school yeah. and go on their own adventure. And it kind of gives the kids like yeah. that imaginary thing come true without them having to go through the fear of actually mm -hmm. doing it. Yeah, exactly. So definitely check out Ferris Bueller's Day Off if you haven't for the podcast already. I already seen it and I watched it a second time and thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you for picking this film. It is a fantastic film. And it's exactly, it's got that, um, the last thing to finish it off was, 
it's got that classic line of like life moves pretty fast um if you don't stop and look around for a while um it'll i don't know what the end of it's like it'll go or something like that what is it we got it we got to get this we got to get this right life moves pretty fast if you don't stop and look around once in a while you could miss it that's exactly what it is yeah exactly it's a great quote it's a great one to live by yeah exactly okay so i mean we're basically um finished now i mean we're on like an hour and seven i keep saying that i'm like wanting to keep these episodes short but i just love discussing everything so much so it's so hard to keep them short and i mean just prefer it just to keep on like ranting about films and music and fairy stuff so yeah um just to kind of finish off uh in terms of the film i have been rating all the films on letterboxd every week and i have a list of the ranking of the films that i've watched and you can check that out in the description below on youtube or if you check out my Twitter, you'll probably find a link to my letterbox there. But if not, it's Matthew underscore Beatty. Be- Matthew with two T's underscore B-A-Y-T-E-E. You can have a look at my other letterbox reviews and like rip on me for like giving every A24 film five stars. Um, so <laughs> apart from that, definitely check out Kid the Goat's Twitter where she posts art and she has obviously a suit. Go and show her suit some love. Did a lot of work on it, you know, um, and all Shucks. that. Thank um, you. Check out her stuff. Is there anything else you want to plug? You know, anything specifically? Uh, yeah, my Twitter's basically it. It's in the link in the bio. I've got my website, which has all my social medias mm-hmm. linked to it. And I just want to say thank you for having me. It's been a great time. Yeah, it's been a lo- lovely, lovely podcast episode. And if you want to have an experience like this, guys, you know, potentially coming on the podcast, fill out the form below and I'll try and get back to you as soon as possible. I'm quite backlogged with people, but I'll at least give you a kind of message on, you know, whether you can come on or not or like a time frame if i'm like interested in having a conversation with you etc so that's in the link below as well but yeah thank you very much guys for listening and i'll see you guys next week